I'm not I'm not unopposed to like a more political focused um um episode, but to me this episode is actually kind of boring if I'm being honest. Uh damn, what an episode. It's a try a true and tested thing that Game of Thrones has used before, but also in the medieval times. It's like uh, along the, the, the wall, the Great Wall Wall of China, I'm pretty sure that there are beacons of light that so if there's like actually no, I think I'm thinking of Mulan, sorry. In the movie Mulan <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. I'm Iba B. I'm here with my co-host, Afam, and we're evaluating the stupidity of people's actions, the treachery of false friends, and the value of golden crowns or even steel ones of conquerors in this episode, because a lot just went down and um, we have mixed feelings, despite our omniscient knowledge afam how are you feeling i'm feeling good uh it's it's crazy to, to think that we only have one more episode like i remember when i heard that the show was you know being produced i remember when i saw the casting i was a bit underwhelmed because i think i was still like heartbroken from the end of game of thrones but when the first episode dropped i was like i'm in i went back rereading all the books and were you know just to prepare myself for what's coming and i've been surprised and shocked and i loved it and we have one more episode left and i'm kind of sad yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting run, and um, it's uh, it's really been been cool watching everybody's reactions to everything. I mean, every week, <laughs> just seeing how the people on Twitter like become more and more fickle is just so entertaining. <laughs> the people that I'm watching the show with, watching them get stressed, it's it's <laughs> equally entertaining. Like, yeah. it's just nice, you know. I think this has been an interesting adaptation so far. But I guess putting um, some of the overarching stuff aside. This was a very um, quiet yet eventful episode. I like the structure. I like the tone. I think the tone is very consistent. I like the interesting character moments. I think this was um, a Game of Thrones situation where they make use of what Game of Thrones was always great at in its heyday, which was meaningful dialogue. Like this episode had dialogue that revealed character motivations. Um, maybe even sometimes muddied character motivations on purpose just to make the audience think a little bit. And, you know, there was also some funny stuff. I, I think it's interesting how in everything that's happening in this episode, we still get to laugh at the fact that the Cargill brothers, Eric and Eric, are still walking around very confused. <laughs> um, so so that's nice. But but yeah, what, what stood out to you? Well, I mean, I feel like coming off the last two episodes, like, I'm not. I'm not unopposed to like a more political focused um, um, episode, but to me, this episode was actually kind of boring. If I'm being honest, I liked it and it was entertaining. Boring. Yeah, it was kind of boring because I didn't see Rhaenyra. So I'm like, why am I here? Like, why am I, I watching Alison do her? This thing? is no. about his biased agenda. Okay, <laughs> it's not it. about my biased agenda, or maybe <laughs> it is. But who knows? I mean, I can't remove myself from like you know my experiences and be objective. But um, it it was there was a lot that happened and. Nothing was meaningless, but at the same time, there were, I just found myself in the episode all the times being like, okay, can this scene be over so I can move on to the next scene? Because um, I feel like this this whole episode just was like a magnifying gla- glass on the greens. And up until now, they've honestly seemed kind of very much united, you know, 
in, in terms of their their comings and goings. Whereas the Blacks, you know, you know, Rainey's and Allison are they on the same team? Who knows what Damon wants? We always call it Valerian. Damon is like rebelling. You know, there was just a lot more chaos. But this was the first time that we've actually seen any form of dysfunction in the Greens because there are two sides in this episode for the most part fighting over fine oh three sides actually fighting over finding where Amon is and um it, it, I think it's just unfortunate that some of the the characters that were being shined like we were learning about were characters I just didn't like I don't like Otto Hightower so I'm like I, I see the things he's doing and he's making good moves but like just to, to see his like how ready he was just to kill Rhaenyra and Damon like I'm like bro it's something I now. said before, like actually it's something Dario Naharis of all people has said before, <laughs> and I'm and I'm gonna explain what I mean. In in the in season three of of Game of Thrones, I'm gonna say it was season three, episode eight. Um, Swinan will let me know if I'm wrong, but um, in that episode, we meet Dario Naharis for the first time. I believe that episode is called The Second Sons, and Mormont is talking about how like they can't trust these guys, blah blah blah. And um, Dario Naharis, like this is the original Dario Naharis that was cast first before Mikhail Huseman came to replace him. He's like, um, I don't know why you would say that. Um, in my experience, only dishonest people think this way. And that's what I think about every time Otto does or says anything, because he's been crying wolf about this whole thing of Rhaenyra is going to kill you and your children. Rhaenyra is going to kill you and your children. And I've just been saying this since. It's like, he's saying that because that's what he would do. Yeah. Like the Rhaenyra we've been watching is... I'm not honest. I'm honestly not sure she's capable of something like that. Like, I'm not sure she's capable of even being convinced to do something like that. Yeah. And I don't think anybody around her would convince her to do that. I know it, that kind of thinking sort of paints the blacks and greens as good and evil in a sense, which is not really the case. Cause I assure you, and yes, I'm talking to you listening to this. Every single person you love in this show is going to do something heinous on either side. Come for me when it happens. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I feel like like Otto's agenda is something to really consider in this in this show because I don't think we've really seen everything that he's working on. I mean, what's your take? Yeah, I mean he's a poor man's Tyrell Lannister uh, because <laughs> Tywin at least wins. His, Tywin never lost the battle, like he, no not battle, but he never lost. He only died because of like well he fucked over his kid, which is in a way is losing, but like. You know, he he was a badass and it's self-inflicted. Just, you yeah, know, like exactly. He, he never lost from external. Exactly, issues. exactly. And Otto is just a poor man's siren. And uh, just the, the 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 first the not the first scene, but the scene at the council where they're all talking, and then Alison is just realizing how much like these people have plan have been planning for years how they're going to usurp Rhaenyra from the throne. Because I feel like Alison, in her mind, it's like a lot of what she's doing is based off the fact that. Viserys, she thinks Viserys wants Aegon on the throne. Deep down, I know she, I know she knows. That's, that that's so rude. Yeah, you know I've been saying like it's, it's just first of all, it's rude that these guys have been planning. It's rude that these guys have been planning what they've been planning. That's yeah. number one. But also, I was talking last episode about how you know she definitely knew that message wasn't for her. But there's an and yes, there's an argument to be made for the notion that she she felt it was for her for sure. Yeah, but look at just the clear inconsistencies. Like, I remember watching the the trailer for this episode and seeing Lyman Beesbury stand up and thinking, oh man, he's so gonna die. Like, I remember, like, I just, I've been thinking about his death since last week. Literally yeah. since last week. Do you know the funny When part? I saw him shouting, he's like, this is treason! This is seizure! <laughs> like, okay, he's dead. Like, I just wasn't sure it would happen. I think in the book, Kristen cuts his head off. Yeah, he cuts his earth, yeah. Yeah, literally right there. Um, so I wasn't sure what was gonna happen. I, I think it's funny because in the, 
in the show, you actually see Kristen go and stand behind him for like a few <laughs> moments before he actually says, sit down and pushes him onto his like attendance ball marble thing. Yeah. Which, wow, first of all, like, wow. That was graphic. It, like, I remember, I remember looking at the thing and being like, yo, eight minutes in, and we're already seeing this type of madness. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the funny part is that if you watch the trailer for the last episode carefully, you actually see his dead body. So there's a scene where, uh, when, uh, what's his face? Kristen draws his so sword um, against the, oh the, head of the, the, uh, the head of the white clothes. I can't remember his name right now. And then you just see him um, slumped Harold over. Westerling. Yeah, he draws his sword against Harold Westerling and you just see him slumped over on the desk. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you dead already. Um, Literally. But, <laughs> yeah. It I, was, I, I uh, think it's wild because like, the inconsistencies were really there. I mean, Beesbury died for saying it. Nobody's going to kill me for saying it. Actually, please don't kill me for saying it. But there's no way Viserys would have said any of that. How has this guy who's been around for this long and who's specifically championed, albeit weekly, his daughter taking over for him, never put forward his son as a new heir, never supplanted her, all that stuff. Like, he's now going to change his mind on his deathbed only in the presence of his wife. Like, I mean, this is a guy who wanted to make his stance as ruler of the realm so clear that he didn't take milk of the puppy on the final day of his life, right? To make sure that he was conscious despite feeling more pain than he had ever felt ever. Yeah. He went to sit on the throne, a chair of knives, by the way, just so he could make a point in front of everybody. And you're trying to tell me that this guy wouldn't do the exact same thing when it comes to his succession? Like he yeah. did it for the Valerian succession. He did it for his family dinner. Like, if he was really going to change his mind, you don't think he would have called everybody? Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's actually so farcical. Like, well, I mean, again, it is a farce. And I mean, this, that, that scene in the small council summed it up. So it, none of that mattered because that whole conversation just served between Viserys and Alicent only just proved that what was only artillery for the Greens to then use because they had already planned all of this out. Like, this year, like, the Lannister twin, he was like, okay, Viserys is dead. We've been planning this for a while. We're going to go this. I'm going to do that. We're going to replace this person. We're going to go that, that replacing. And then Alison's like, whoa, 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 whoa. When did we agree to do all of this? Because Jasper Wilde is even like, yeah, we know. We just didn't want to bother you with darkling schemes. I'm like, yeah. so you know that this is wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, this was in the motion from time. Like, they knew what they were doing. Odo has been screaming, war is coming we have to do this, you must be prayer, Ego must be king. But it's like, he's the one who's willing all these things into act, uh, into existence by his actions. He wants these things to happen and he's willing to do anything for, um, um, to get that. He's willing to kill, because think about all the people he has to kill. He has to kill Rhaenyra, he has to kill Daemon, he has to kill Daemon's um, two daughters, um, Joffrey, um, Lucerys, and um, what's his face, the three of them. Um, Rhaenyra has two more kids. That's just like over 10 people that have to die now. And he has to get rid of their dragons. I, oh, I didn't even think about that. He has to get rid of their dragons. I feel like this episode just was a lot of her coming to terms with this is not going to be as clean uh, as she wants it to be. But thankfully, she's the one who found Aegon, not um, not her father, because it could have been even worse if Aldo got his hands on Aegon. It clearly wouldn't have made a difference what Alice had heard. Even if she had come with ideas of peace, which she is, they were still planning to put Aegon forward. And even if she had come with support of Rhaenyra, they were still planning to put Aegon forward. I actually shudder to think what they might have done to her if she wasn't on Aegon's side. Yeah. Like if she said, you know what, I accept the whole Rhaenyra thing. And honestly, like the fact that Alicent seems to genuinely think Rhaenyra will come to the table and accept her fates and deal with them is borderline hilarious. <laughs> like it would be hysterically funny if it wasn't so stupid. But I yeah. think it's also 
considerably funny still because she seems to really believe that this is the outcome that they're heading towards. And it's like, why would she do that? Like the same way I would ask, why would any of you believe that Viserys would change his mind on his deathbed at the last moment to somebody that he barely ever like seems to think had leadership capabilities? You know, why would he do that? I would also ask the same question here. Like, why would Rhaenyra now accept this after being made to believe her entire adult life and more that, you know, this was where she was headed and that her father wanted her to head here too? Like, they literally talked about it last week before he died. Yeah. Um, speaking of last week, by the way, I know things move kind of fast in this episode, but I think it's worth pointing out to everyone listening to this that in the book, they left Viserys' body in that room for eight days while they did all this planning and scheming. This, that's, how, that's how crazy and desperate these people are to cling to power. They're talking about holding on to power and installing Aegon for the good of the realm, quote unquote, when the guy doesn't even want to be king. Yeah. Like, not only is he unfit, he's actually unwilling. The fact yeah. that, they, that they show him Asking Amos, like, listen, just just let me go. You're not going to see me again, <laughs> right? The fact that that the show went as far as showing him asking for such a thing is just telling, honestly, because it shows that we have to ask ourselves the question, who is Otto doing all this for, if not himself? Mm-hmm. Who is Allison even doing it for? Like, I think she comes to terms with the kind of person her father is finally in this episode, or at least she she confronts him about it. Maybe she's been thinking about it for some time, but she finally actually talks to him about it in this episode. But like, who is any of this actually serving? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I feel it, like... I it, it, it's Well, Alison is, is her kids at this point because, um, I mean, Otto is, is, is grasping for power just as Corlys Valerian, even though he talks shit about Corlys all the time. Otto is grasping for power and he's put, himself, he's put his house in a situation where other people are now invested in his dream. Um, by Alicent is through her kids and their survival. It's and by all the other members of the small council. I'm sure he's offered them lands and tights and money and influence uh, yeah. that they wouldn't get if Rainier is in charge. So it's all it's it's a very good like management tactic. You know, it's like if I have a company and like I wanted to get I want the company to get acquired, um, I would give all my employees a bit of stock so that if we get empl- um, acquired, we all make money. So that's kind of what he's doing. He's just sold stock uh, on this like horrible kids like oh actually i like helena but the other two are assholes they're fucking still this equity is weak yeah exactly it's like it's, I, it's I want to invest in a different company exactly but alas we we live in a in a, a feudalistic society called westeros i need to ask is cole down bad like <laughs> and if cole he is, is a mug. Oh, <laughs> if a he fool. is like does alison like does he have feelings for alison like and does she, if she if he does, does she know? Like, is she weaponizing said feelings? Because I had to really ask that question when she's talking about like, okay, you know, Cole, go find Aegon. And she's like, you know, and he's like, because of what you feel for me, I was like, hmm, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, I know this guy's, lo- I think. Yeah, like. She has to be. Hmm. She's playing chess. Addison is playing chess and complaining about her dad using her as a chess piece. I'm like, bro, you're obviously playing this man. Like, you have no interest in him. You don't care about him, but he's like a, and, and Cole is just too fucking. Oh, I, 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 I mean, clearly he will like kill him. for her. Like he, yeah. do, he's, he's done it like once or twice at yeah, least. But, I, but that's the thing. Is this just devotion to her as the queen? Is this a king's god oath type of thing, yeah. or is this like romance? Like, is he down bad again? Like, would he make the same mistake? 
I don't even I don't think know. so with this one. I think with this one, there's like an element of like I don't want to say psychopathy because I'm not like a psychologist, but I feel like there is like a. I think he's a bit of a sociopath. Yeah, he. he I think he's more than a sociopath because I think, <laughs> but I think that she is able to enable him and justify like because like he just killed a member of the small council. Like I know you're the head. You're he's not even the head of the king's guard. Also, he's just a br- a, a brother of the king's guard. He's not like the yeah. Head. Well, at least at not this as point. Of, uh, yeah, as as at the point where he does it, yes, because yeah, no you know, he's Lord it. Commander, and I know we've known for a long time that he is going to be Lord Commander. So I I know people were groaning last night when he finally yeah. became Lord Commander. I was like, listen, guys, ever since you were rooting for him on that tournament field, this is where we're headed. <laughs> this is where exactly. we're headed. You, you guys did this. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. So there are a lot of nicknames. Like you have him on one eye because he lost his eye. You have Kristen is Kristen Kingmaker because symbolically he's the one who plays the crown on Aegon's head. Uh, yes, I think that, yes, that is, is. A, a point that should be not, not should be. No, we already did but. make it. Like I said, a few, um, like cu- a couple of episodes that uh, Kristen has a nickname that we can't mention. Oh yeah, yet. you did, you did. That was it. King and like, yeah. uh, I knew that we'd have it by around this episode or the finale. So here yeah. we are. Yeah, we were doing some math, you know, planning out when things are gonna happen, and uh, oof. Yeah, this y'all, this <laughs> behind the scenes math, man. Like yeah. Ryan and Miguel, they need to like add us because <laughs> we've been cal- we've been calculating back here. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of of foresight, Helena, the beast be- um, beneath the boards. I didn't yes. know what she meant when she said that, and then all of a sudden, I just see this dragon bust out. I, I actually laughed out loud. <laughs> Oh, I started clapping when I saw that. I, I laughed out loud, honestly, because Beware the Beast Beneath the Boys, like, it could not be any more apt. I feel like these prophecies are getting more and more true to life and literal. Because <laughs> how does an actual beast beneath the boys come up? <laughs> Here I am thinking it's like, okay, maybe it's like a human being or like somebody sinister. Yeah, that's and what I thought. It's, it's, it's interesting how, how that ends up working out because, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about the... The small folk, man. I've, I, I've been thinking about them a lot. Like the people of King's Landing, good or bad. Some of them just trying to make a living. Like yeah. it's, it's just a lot. Like just, I know I'm going to go on a bit of a tirade here, but like living in our own world, right? Where leaders are always going out of their way to make themselves seem relatable to the people that they govern or could potentially govern. You know, it's, it's interesting to see so much happen in this world of the show where the public is under no illusion that the rulers are anything like them. Like, there is no, like, oh, you know, I was once this, I was once that. Like, none of that. They don't even look like you. Like, they are walking around like platinum-haired demigods that ride, like, magical lizards. Like, it's, it's interesting, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I think, I think it's, it's just kind of sad because, you know, what kind of life are you living when you can decide to put your groceries down for just one moment, just to see what the fuss is about, right? And then you end up walking into a glorified dragon kennel just to watch a guy you've only ever heard of and never actually seen get a crown put on his head that used to belong to some dude with the same name who apparently built everything around you, only for another one of that guy's descendants to burst out of the literal ground on the back of a literal giant fire-breathing bat lizard and knock you into the pile of rocks that ends your life. <laughs> what happens to your groceries? Will they ever make it to your kids? <laughs> like, I, I just, like, th- th- these things, it's like, yo, how many of these people just ended up there? Because a lot of them got pushed in. A lot of them got pushed in by the, the yes! guards, you know? They were forced there to go die, basically. And then they were, they were closing the door. Like, and even the logic of that is like, okay, why are these people trying to close the door right know. now? You don't want the dragon to leave? I don't. I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't understand the logic. Was. Like, they're shouting, open the door, open the door. It's like, nigga, they can't hear you. <laughs> they, like, they can't hear you. Like, what's good? I'm so confused. Like, 
this whole thing was just was just wild because yeah. I mean Rainey seemed like she seemed rather intrigued by the idea of Allison taking the throne for herself, you know, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that. But at the same time, you know, Rainey's sort of like she she could have just gone away. Like first like because it's it's taken her a lot to get to this point. And even looking at that for a moment, I think it's hilarious that Eric goes out of his way to put a cloak on her and spirit her out of that room. And he's still wearing his entire he's King's Guard oh armor. Not not what not, I guess he doesn't think that people are gonna be like, oh look, it's Eric of the King's Guard. <laughs> who's that who's that with him? Dumbass. But that anyway, they finally get to this place. And I know she's she's looking from distance and she smiles when she sees where where, where they're going, because like it's the dragon pit. Which brings us to mistake number one, folly, right? Why is this coronation happening in the dragon pit? You could have done this anywhere. You could have done this at any other time, but your secrecy has clearly made you dumb. Because <laughs> you're just obsessed with symbolism. You don't understand the literal danger of what is going on here. The small folk walking in there, I'm sure that some of them are like, oh, we get to go into the dragon pit. This, this might be nice. This, this might be fun. Like, we, maybe we'll see an actual dragon. Well, unfortunately, you did, okay? You did. And now you're dead. And that's just a problem for everybody. I mean, Rainey's could have, she could have gone downstairs, stayed there and just escaped when nobody was looking. They would have gone to look for her later. It's like, oh, Rainey's isn't here. Oh, Eric isn't here. But no, she bursts out the ground, literally on the back of the beast beneath the boards. And well, she decides to make a statement that this whole thing is stupid. I could have gone out quietly, but I'm coming out in this way to let all of you know that you're dumb and I could kill you right now. But she chooses she not have, to. She should have. You know, I, don't, I don't know. What, I don't know. I feel Shakari's like people are mad at burned. her. Yeah. Shakari's burned. <laughs> like, we saw Danny burn that whole city. So what is, like, and she killed people there anyways. Like, so what, what's all I, this? I mean, I guess she was trying to say, I'm not like you guys. But then again, I don't know if she can do that in the same breath as, you know, <laughs> like, knocking a building down on a whole bunch of, like, people. Like, I'm going to say at least a few hundred people just died, if not, like, maybe a thousand. Yeah. Because, I mean... Because first of all, there's the impact of the dragon coming out. There is all the debris flying everywhere. There's the dust. There's the the trampling from the stampede. Mm -hmm. And there's the fact that people can't get out. I mean, if there was fire in that situation, that would have just been the end. Like, honestly, for anybody who is still thinking, oh, you know what? Still, she should have burned her. I'm, I guess, in Rainey's defense, which I don't know, Rainey's, I guess I'll defend you this one time. Um, If she had started to burn stuff down, that probably would have put her in danger too. Because, you know, believe it or not, giant buildings falling on dragons could actually kind of kill them and it would definitely kill her so i think you know kind of just be cautious about that but i do think it's cool that we get to see the dragon in this way the visuals were amazing especially actually when she leaves like when the dragon like flies out that door i really loved seeing that because that was amazing melee's is supposed to be the fastest dragon around right now um, and the nickname for that dragon is the Red Queen for that reason. She's basically like, I don't know, a cooler version of Barry Allen. So I think, I think a lot of people were um, hyped to, to see that. And yeah, I, I don't know how these guys are going to react. I mean, it was funny to see Alicent like bracing herself for like a fiery yeah. death. <laughs> it's and, a true Targaryen death. And, and another thing, honestly, she was, yeah, actually what you said, like she is a true Targaryen in that moment. Definitely more so than her son, the king, who is hiding behind her. <laughs> My God, I was screaming. I was like, wow, they have crowned you king. And here you are hiding behind your mother between you and the dragon. You that's supposed to be blood of the dragon. You that is literally named Aegon Targaryen. Yeah, but like... You're going to let your mother get burned before you? 
we've known that Aegon doesn't give a shit. Like, homeboy just wants to... I, I, I'm, I don't like Aegon and, like, fuck him. <laughs> he just wants to leave. Let him leave. Like, literally. Like... Because you ha- he has... Okay, what... Aegon is his firstborn son, blah, blah, blah. So he has the... He's a piece for his mom and dad to use as well. But he has two kids and he has a brother. They have options. They could just say, oh, and they have Rhaenyra. Let's just like literally. We don't need this dude, y'all. Let me just tell you now. We don't actually need him. I I, I feel like he's like, there's something like when he's talking to his mom and he asks her, do you love me? And she's like, you imbecile. And you know, towards the, that was amazing. But towards the end, when they were in the, in the dragon's pit, I feel like, this is a character who has not known like love from his parents. I feel like his parents were both like emotionally and unavailable to him. And that prompts a lot of his, the dumb shit. There was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, take it aside the pressure. I just mean like they weren't, well, there was pressure, obviously pressure from his mom who's always screaming at him. Rhaenyra is going to kill you. But you know, and it's not a justification for his actions, but it might be a, a play a role in understanding his mental state when he does these things. Because I feel like when he was staring at the crowd, there was this like moment when everyone was cheering him. Yes, Aegon, we love you, blah, blah, blah. And there's this line that's been used. I don't remember who said it first, but it, the, the, it most resonated for me when I was watching Bojack Horseman, when he was like, when you're famous, you realize that everyone loves you, but no one likes you. And I don't think Aemon has realized, looking at that crowd, that like no one there likes him. Shout out to Bojack. Him. Yeah, Bojack is a fucking show on the house. Shout out to Bojack. Yeah, but it's like he's, he's getting love for what looks like one of the first times you know we know he doesn't have a good relationship with his wife or and his sister who are the same person you know we've seen how his brother feels about him we've seen his mom call him an imbecile when he asked do you love him and like i to don't be fair, think that I, was a wrong moment to ask that question I'm it sorry. was it, but it just still was. but still <laughs> and i don't think i can even think of a scene where viserys and aegon like adults or, or teenage aegon share the scene together you know so this is a person who just seems starved of love and just like rather than like than learning just like i don't know man pulls an egg on and goes around doing dumb shit. yeah i guess i mean to be fair he did get some attention you know but i'm not here to like blame the child but um just i guess if we were going to postulate on viserys's own feelings it's like he wanted this kid to be the spitting image of power and glory mm-hmm. you know and, and, for, and for a time he was but then he starts to have this like unchecked appetite for defenseless women <laughs> which is like okay I guess everybody kind of enabled that or at least ignored it. Either way, they're enabling it because like that's how that kind of stuff grows, right? So he forgets his responsibilities or rather runs away from them. He's not forget- forgotten them. He knows them. He's literally just running away as fast as he can. And he slowly becomes an adult who is very emotionally stunted, right? Yeah. Um, we see it even from the episode where he's just drinking the entire time as a child. Like he's actually not that... He's, he's not that old when he's drinking there, people. Like, he's actually very young. And he should not be drinking at that time. Yes, it was. I, I still stand by Otto kicking him, being hilarious. One of my favorite moments of that episode. But he was clearly going through a lot. And I think that that's worth remembering. Um, in addition to all that, he's, he's just been moving mad um, or not moving at all. I think Viserys paid a lot of attention to Rhaenyra. And he kind of just assumed that Egon was fine and that he would sort of accept all this and in truth he did it was Alicent and I guess by extension Otto that were telling him you should want this you should want this you should want this you should want this but as I said on one of our previous conversations you know these people have the power to teach this guy to not just accept his sister as the heir but defend her as the heir like they could have taught him they could have taught Amund, Helena all of them to 
want a situation where Rhaenyra is leading them as the actual heir. Like this family could have been united from the beginning, but Viserys did not do that enough. He, if he had spent more time with Aegon teaching him all this stuff, we probably would be in a different situation. Yeah. You know, and I mean, thinking about different situations, you know, just imagine one where like Alicent, Rhaenyra, Rhaenys, and maybe even Mizaria, like all joined forces to create a new world order for Westeros, you know, like one that's kind of run by women and not clouded by the ambition of men. Because in this show, men seem to either have too much ambition or none at all. And obviously this isn't to say that men are inherently problematic in general, even though, you know, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have much evidence to support that statement, especially being a man making that statement on the internet. But <clears throat> I think we do need to take into account that uh, women are not free of ambition either as, um, as well. Still, I think it's worth noting that historically in Westeros, the ambition of men tends to be a lot more simplistic and short-sighted than the ambition of women. In Westeros, women tend to think things through, you know? I feel like Rhaenys even seemed rather intrigued by the idea of Alicent taking the throne for herself. I don't think anybody has ever even considered this before, including Alicent, you know? Yeah, you're right. Like, for example, do you think, with, with this, for example, like, do, do you think Rhaenys is on the side of the blacks fully? Like, or is she a bit more flexible? Rainey's is not, is on the side of her granddaughters or her grandchildren. Let me use that word. Because if Joffrey, Lucerys, and who am I forgetting? Jace. If Jace, if three of them were Lenor's kids, then I would say 100% that she's Team Rhaenyra because she's Team her grandchildren. But mm -hmm. she knows that her legacy is her two granddaughters. Whatever side would put them in the best position is where she sides. But I do, so she would see a world where like her granddaughter somehow would be on the throne. And I can see her seeing a world where Alison would be on the throne. But I, I, I think is that the reason why she can see that is that she's uniquely in a position where she could have been queen. She should have been queen. You know, the argument can be made very much strongly because she was the oldest child. She was the only child of the heir to the throne. So the throne should have passed through her and her yeah, descendants. Yeah, skipped over her twice. And skipped over her twice, exactly. And um, so I, I, I think her looking at Alicent and being like, you could be queen. In a way, I just view it similar to how Robert Baratheon became king. It's like power resides where people think it, it resides. You know, it's a murmur trick. It's a fool Bars. on the wall. And if you have the power to seize the throne, you should seize the throne. And I think that's what this whole build up to the season has been. The High Tower was getting enough power until they were at the point where they could seize the throne. So I'm sure in her head, she's like, yeah, Ego might be the spearhead, but like, why can't it be you? You know, don't you have a brain? Don't you have two legs and arms? You know, yeah, you don't have dragons, but you have something that's better than dragons. You have influence over people who have dragons because all three of her children have dragons. So those are three dragon riders there. Why can't she be the queen? And it was a very interesting proposition that I don't think Alicent has ever considered um, up until Rhaenyra brought it up because I think Alicent is also quite indoctrinated into this world of Westeros where, you know, the Targaryens must be, must be the kings and maybe the queens if Rhaenyra is queen or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's this whole thing of, of the system, you know, and, Alison definitely has accepted that, um, you know, being the Nigerian auntie that she is, <laughs> she sort of wouldn't want to go against the green, especially yeah. if that kind of invalidates her own experience. Yeah. I, I wonder though, because I know Bankley was talking last week about how he's starting to feel empathy for Alison. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I will say that I started to worry for her own mental state a bit because she's very stressed in this episode. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like, she might have somewhat internalized misogyny 
you know, because like Rainey tells her that, you know, all she ever does is use her power to punch holes to create windows inside of her prison yeah. rather than actually break free of the prison. I mean, I wonder what we think of this because it's also worth pointing out that she's surrounded by men who essentially like infantilize and somewhat reduce her to a simplistic feminine object that they can actually wrap their heads around, you know, whether she's trying to speak with wisdom or authority or insight, like it happens all the time with Otto. Um, there's a scene that I actually want to talk about in a bit where, you know, she, she talks to him in his office and she says a whole bunch of like powerful things. Like my son is going to be crowned tomorrow. Da, 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 da. And Otto is like, you look so much like your mother in certain ways. Like, <laughs> he what? literally invalidated everything she just said like, in like two seconds. I'm like, I was so confused. Like, why would you? What? What is the need for that statement? None. Same thing with her son. It's like, okay, you need to do this, 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 this. And he's do like, you do you love me, me? <laughs> bro? Like, yeah. Focus. Like, y'all need to focus. And I feel like yeah. there's certain things happening with Laris as well. But we will get to that. We will get yeah, to Laris. I'll save that for later. But while we're on <laughs> Allison, I actually feel like when your banker was talking about feeling empathy for Allison last episode, which I say, fuck no. But this episode <laughs> is actually where I felt empathy for Allison because all of a sudden we see her, we see, we see a day, not a day in her life, but we see her trying to go through the situation and she's not holistically evil, even though she has a lot of bad belly energy. But I feel like all of a sudden, now that the, the consequence of her actions, like not her actions, but the consequences, sorry, a reality of what the situation she's in has become a bit more apparent. You can see her still cling to some shred of humanity, being like, no, I'm not going to kill Rhaenyra and her entire family just to get Aegon on the throne. No, we, I, yes, I want Aegon to be the king, but that doesn't mean we must go around killing everyone. But wow, the way Otto was so eager to do Otto that was stuff. Ready. Otto like was he, literally The fact ready. that he told Harold Westerling, like, okay, take like go five kings guard and go to Dragonstone. And, and I'm like, this entire eh? family. <laughs> Bro, mad, First of all, you guys can't take Damon. All five of you can't take Damon alone. Mad, <laughs> That's my own voice. No, Damon will take them. They'll take them. They'll take Damon. Five versus one. Kingsguard, bro. They'll take no, them. I mean, in, I mean on that turf. Like, not in this, on his home turf with oh, the yeah, dragons with present. Oh, yeah, dragons, man, you burn them motherfuckers down. Uh, but there was something, an interesting parallel that I, that I had, you know, in, when we look at the in, initial Game of Thrones, um, there were a lot of people who would have been like good rulers or kings or lords, like Jon Snow, Carson, like this, who didn't inherently want power. And there's a line that Vary said at some point where like, you know, perhaps do you think that it's because you don't want power that you'd be well suited for something like that? And I was thinking about Aegon, um, who's Aegon the second now, I guess you can say, cause he's, he's, he's been crowned by Kristen. What did Bancoli pussy something? Pussycat call, whatever. Bunker, you can insert to again. Kristen Pussycat. Thank you. Whatever. But um, so I, I found it an interesting parallel because someone oh like Jon Snow was like, he would have been a good king even though he didn't want it. And Van Aegon didn't want it, but he would have been a she's He does look like a shitty person. Yeah, like, I, I, I think. Extrapolate, he'd be a shitty king. Yeah. Um, it's interesting contrast between Aegon's there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Jon is yes. also Aegon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. John, who I guess would have been Aegon the Sixth, says one thing, but um, skipping, I guess, skipping backwards past all the other Aegons that we really should not be telling you much about, I will say that um, Aegon the Second, and I guess we can call him that now since they've used oil to anoint him and he's <laughs> he's the literal king. Um, Aegon the Second is a prime example of. Not wanting power doesn't necessarily mean that you're suited for it. You know, people sometimes say, oh, you know, just as you've, you've outlined, it is because you don't want it that you're the best person for the job. No, saying that the people is dangerous because that is not a reason on its own for somebody to, you know, be suited for 
governance to be suited for rule or leadership. You know, in the case of John, right, he didn't want it for supposedly noble reasons. He didn't want the realm to tear itself apart. He didn't want to be treasonous to the person that he had pledged himself to. And also, he didn't want to make his girlfriend angry. So, like, he had all these different things going on, whereas Aegon is skirting responsibility. I definitely don't think he should be king. Um, and that comes from not just the responsibility he's running away from, but, you know, his personality, his entitlement. Like, he is sort of representative of everything that is wrong with outsized privilege. And they just want to put him there as a puppet. Like, in a, in a, in a perfect, or I guess really imperfect world where nothing happens and Rhaenyra just, like, sails off to Pentos or whatever, and they just leave Aegon to, he's like, she's like, okay, you can have Westeros. I really feel like he wouldn't be ruling at all mm-hmm. because I'm not even sure Alicent would be ruling through him. I think Otto would because I think now that, because he's putting his grandson on the throne has been something he's been talking about since episode Forever. three. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like once that's been done, like now that he has a male grandchild, somebody that he respects and can treat like a man rather than, you know, his daughter who he's been sort of playing down this whole time, he's going to sort of try and raise him to be sort of a great image of power and glory, yeah. um, of fire and blood, sort of, I, I guess, like living vicariously through that. And I don't think that um, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, the fact that he doesn't want it is not an indicator of anything. Yeah. But I mean, speaking of Otto and Alison's relationship, I mean, when, when she walked into his his little office there. My, my first thought was, who is he texting? <laughs> because, because, because like, and I, because he, like, he's always sending letters and it's like, okay, who, I wonder, like, is this, is this the Chekhov's gun? Like, is something going yeah. to come of, of these letters he's been writing? Like, I, I need to take some time and think about who he's been, who he's been sort of like contacting because um, I think that could be important later. I think if anybody has any ideas, please feel free to let us know. Um, but that scene was interesting because of the parallel that it has with um, the scene where he's he's first seen actually talking to Allison in episode one, where he's like, you know, go talk to go talk to the king. Yeah. But this time she kind of takes some power back and she says a whole bunch of stuff. He tries to, of course, like like I said before, play it down a bit with his whole "you look like your mom" nonsense. Yeah. But um, I think she still stays strong. And now she not just sees him for who he is and all the greed and ambition and politicking, but she kind of wants to take her own stand against his like, okay, yes, I've learned what you've taught me in very, in very Sansa-esque fashion, um, but I'm not going to use it in that way. Like, yeah. I still believe that there is integrity to be explored here. And in all honesty, I commend her for that, even though I will also say that actual integrity would be just letting Rhaenyra take the throne. Right, yeah. But, you know, again, nobody listens to me around here. <laughs> but I mean, again, in a, in a weird way, Otto has already won because, like, he has he has bound him. And I mean, obviously, he's Alison's father and there's, there's like, family. Well, family should be, like, you know, cent- uh, uh, very important. But, like, he's bound. Alicent's wants to his by the existence of Aegon because he was able to influence Alicent to influence Viserys to want to marry her and then have kids. So it's like Alicent wants, they both want the same thing, but they just want it in different ways. And even though Alicent might, is looking like she's going to get her way, which is like, you know, let's not just try and kill Rhaenyra and her whole brood. That is still kind of like a W for, for Otto in a weird way because he played the game pretty well. He he made this an Otto made an investment, you know, in in the facts decades ago. Well, not decades ago, but like over a decade ago, almost fifteen years ago. And no, 
20 years ago because Ego said he's 20. Ego said he's 20 um, in this episode. So, yeah, it's been over 20 years since he made that. Ego says his age in this episode? Yeah, he did. He said he's 20. Nice. Yeah. Um, I think, it, I don't remember when, but he said it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, oh, I think he said it. If I didn't um, say something in the comments, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so it's been, whatever, it's been over 21 years um, since Aegon, um Otto made that play. And it's finally coming into, it's finally coming into uh, whatever. And, and now he has a chance to flex because like all those lords that he had lined up, he basically said, swear fealty or die. But he didn't have to say the or die because there were men around him with swords that would have killed them. And that was honestly so disagreed. extra. Yeah, it's like... R.I.P. Lord Caswell, man. Yeah, Caswell, man, I don't know him. what you were thinking trying to leave so quickly. <laughs> you should have chewed. Wait a day or two. Ah, guy, you know, send no, a raven. Oh. When, no, the way this guy was shaking. Like, if, if, if I was one of those guards... I would just have been, I'd have, I would have had my eye on this guy. The entire time. I was like, okay, why is this guy walking towards the gate and he's just shaking? Like, what yeah. has he done? Like, bro, at least be cool if you're going to leave so quickly. Like, I'm so guilty, fam. So guilty. The, the scene took so long too because they kept going back and forth between like all the chaos and him, and then they pulled him down from the horse. Like, this guy's yeah, finished. I knew he was done. Actually, there's one thing about the camera work that I thought was cool. Um, Otto is very shocked, right, when Misaria seems to know that the king is dead. Yeah. Right? And we know that um, Talia has been working for Misaria this whole time. But Talia never actually got a chance to go to Misaria. So how does Misaria know? Here's my theory, right? At some point, we see Talia lighting some candles in what seems to be a very like specific pattern. Yeah. And she's doing it by the window. And then the camera actually pans out like bit by bit until we see that light coming from that window from a distance from the red keep. Yeah. And I feel like we can kind of assume that that's what it would look like from a place like the white worm. Mm. So it's kind of like they had a signal in the tower, so to speak, to kind of oh, yeah, hint her. hundred percent. Yeah, to hint her at like something's going on. So yeah. I, I, Once I saw her lighting the candles, I was like, yeah, this is what Sansa did in um, Twitter yeah. and Escape from Ramsey Bolton. It was like, it's like, it's a, tri- a true and tested thing that Game of Thrones has used before, but also in the medieval times. It's like uh, along the, the, the wall, the Great wall, wall of China, I'm pretty sure that there are beacons of light that so if there's like actually no i think i'm thinking of mulan sorry in the movie mulan <laughs> when the huns were coming well it was on the great wall of china okay it was on the great in, wall of china in, in, in mulan we have to there give were you beacons that. <laughs> there were beacons of life so that when the huns were coming they would just light them and it you know the next person lights it so it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> mulan is like one of my favorite animated movies after um mulan after is a great story yeah, it's, a, it's awesome. But Don't watch the live action one, though. Oh, God. I didn't watch that. I wasn't going to try. I hate this. This, this is not yeah, the yeah, podcast for that. Yeah, this is not the time. This is not the time for that. <laughs> All right. Um, there's a lot of daddy issues in this whole show. I feel like the first three episodes were Viserys bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But since then, it has been daddy issues on daddy issues on daddy issues. Everyone has issues with their fathers in this show. And in a way that they don't always have with their mothers. The men of Westworld, the lords and the men of Westworld need to do better. Because it is just nonsense and chaos, and they are just they are messing things up for for future generations. Truly, their inability to 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 be whatever, and you will see that with um, what's his name, Eamon Wanai. He's like, it should be me. I should be the king. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, yo, he doesn't deserve it. Oh, Eamon. Everyone has you know issues. What? We we've we've um we've talked about what a world led by the most notable women of the series would would look like, but I think maybe for just a moment. We should pivot and talk about what a Westeros ruled by Aemon looks like. What do oh you think? God. Vengeance, justice, fire, and blood. Because everyone's <laughs> going to die. 
That guy is crazy. <laughs> like he was okay. If he, I, I think he, the first thing he would do is he would go to war with Dorne and try and get Dorne into the, into the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And he would go to the Stepstones and burn everything or anyone so that that Stepstones stops. He might actually just you. burn the entire land. Yeah, he would literally like, just. Like he has Vagar, bro. It's like he's nah, man. Homeboy is like. There's some people who just shouldn't be be in positions of power. But he's an enforcer, right? He's and an enforcer. Yeah, exactly. We're going, to, we're going to see it, I think, as the story continues to progress, especially yeah. into season two. He's basically their daemon, but like more unhinged, which is actually yeah. a scary thing to think about because yeah. daemon is unhinged. So an unhinged version of daemon, an already unhinged person being aemoned is kind of wild. I mean, you know, you can already tell that he's going to be a huge problem for the blacks. Like he's, he's kind of like, okay, let, let's, let's think about episode eight with that dinner. Like for him to have the guts to say what he said in front of all these people. And by the way, that's why we, we know that this is something that happened because Mushroom says it, um, Archmaster Gildane, like Monkin, all the other historians, they all say it. Like the fictional historians, they all talk about this and, and they're all united on the front that Aegon, that, that Aemond said this. Yeah. And the reason for that is because he did it in front of multiple people. Like it was kind of hard to miss. Like everybody yeah. was there. Yeah. The servants were there. The guards were there. The royal family was there. And the fact that he feels he can say such a thing and it's a direct quote that's passed down in history, like it just shows how untouchable he believes himself to be. Yeah. Right. He has Vagar. We, actually, you, you said earlier that there are three factions that were looking for Egon. Yeah. Who are the three? The White Worm. Oh, so is um, Otto, Otto. Oh, you're counting the White Worm. The white, she's an important part because. She's I thought she already had him. him. Well, she had him, but like when I said looking for him, I, I think I, I'm, I guess more invested in, in Egon's location at that moment. True. And the White True. Worm is a very important one because, well, she is in her, she's trying to gain favor with who she believes is going to, is like, has the who has the power right now is Aegon yeah. because he's the person who has been announced as the king because Rhaenyra doesn't even know her dad is dead yet and so she just knows if I get this piece I can trade it in for a bigger prize you know it's like putting a bait on a, on a fishing line and throwing it in and catching a whale I don't know something crazy like that some Moby Dick vibes so she just uses Aegon <laughs> as a bargaining chip to get well short term she does want to end the fighting of those kids which is when we're talking about barbarity that of the kids fighting in episode 7 this was way worse because these children are orphans who have like, like they sharpened their, 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 teeth, their teeth and their nails and their I was nails. like damn I, this, what? this is what Aegon goes to go watch this is how like, Aegon spends his kids every single time. like I'm, this I love being vindicated honestly <laughs> I feel like every week my question of all of you look around is yeah. this your king? Like is I'm this just your king? like literally. This is this is the question I keep asking, and and like <laughs> like Eric, I'm just here. Like yeah. bro, look, like look what's going on. What Eric is saying, like, and, I, and Eric is the one who knows. Aegon. Even seeing that bastard son, yeah, yeah, seeing that bastard son sitting there, it's like you're one of Egon's. Like one of men. Like how many kids do you many. think Egon has moving around, just like Man, existing? I don't think he has Robert Baratheon numbers, but he has numbers. Uh, yeah, but but still, though, like these are people who could potentially command dragons like yeah. um they're called dragon seed for a reason but like thinking about that search again misaria's assurance from Otto on doing something about the fighting pits yeah you know i think it felt a bit more ominous than triumphant on yeah. some level like i'm glad that she used her power to demand something great yeah you know but Otto literally laughs in her face when she says that thing when she says oh the power you have is only what the people allow you to take and i think maybe she should have kept Egon a bit longer uh, because what he, what Otto said when he's like, oh yeah, I'll remember, and he's smiling, yeah, sounds more like to me. 
Like it sounds less like I'll remember what you've what you said and make some changes. I'm more like I will remember this and end you at my earliest convenience. Like literally. I don't know. It's it's kind of a sad situation. I mean, seeing all those children doing all that, it was but no the part so since we're speaking of Misaria, I hate her accent. I actually hate her. <laughs> I was actually I just thinking about her accent. I don't mind it, but... What? I, like, she's been in a bunch of other stuff, man. She was in Devs. She was in X-Machine. Oh, my God. La she, la was so, she was so good in Devs. Yeah. Can she's we, done like, stuff. Wow. She's done stuff. So, why is she doing this? It's like she's trying to be Shay, but, like, just... Oh, I, I mean, like what? Because she's, she's from one of the free cities, right? And yeah. she, she's supposed to kind of feel like a west like she's a foreigner in yeah, westeros yeah yeah and, and i'm okay with that but like still man you think I'm it's a bit just... more i mean i think her her accent kind of borders on like s- some byzantine influence of french which man, is interesting but like uh, i'm not even going to try and deconstruct that because i'm just like <laughs> i just don't i'm not a fan but you know what this yeah. show has done a lot of things that i like i can let that one slide yeah i mean pe- people actors come in and like have these takes on characters a lot of the time i mean shay i think shay and um a few other people have re- established a bit of an idea of what people from certain isle, um, parts of Essos sound like. Um, yeah. When Pedro Pascal came in as the first Danish character we meet in Game of Thrones season four, um, that accent he does be- basically sets the path for, okay, this is what all the Danish people are going to sound like. And I think that ended up being a good choice because that was very effective in making mm. them feel different from everybody we're already yeah. seeing. I think yeah. it's possible that if you didn't do that, like, everybody from Dawn would have just had British accents like everyone else. Mm. Um, and I'm glad that wasn't the case. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the music. I mean, mm-hmm. Ramin has come through again. 10 out of 10. I think the subtlety of the music in the episode was was just nice. The, the use of light piano. Like, it reminded me of Light of the Seven, which is funny because there are also little kids running around in this episode. And yeah. it reminded me also of the Night King from the episode. The, the, like, the not the character, but the track, the Night King from the season eight soundtrack, which is playing towards the end of the battle right up until the point where the night king dies like that is an amazing song and it's just like it's just a beautiful piece of music there's a new song actually that that played in the, um, the previous episode when viserys is trying to get from point a to point b in the throne room um that song is called protector of the realm and i think it's a really good one it reminds me of the, the song that they released in episode one um, which is called the prince that was promised and yeah ramin is working over time but I just, i'm just i'm just here you know my my purpose on this podcast is to remind all of you that Ramin should never be forgotten, okay? Ramin is doing great, <laughs> and it's, I'm glad he's not the only person doing great in this show, yeah. um, which is different from what we can say for yeah. the past. Well, but <clears throat> It's time to kiss Clubfoot. What the <laughs> fuck? It's time. It's time. Okay. <laughs> is it, no, like, I think we can avoid it just a little bit longer. <laughs> nah, but it's time. It's time. <laughs> Because uh, I, I think we need to, we need to start okay. around or whatever. Clubfoot. I feel like the, the, the part there that is the most interesting is that, I mean, I've talked about this mystery behind this character. There's, I, I have so many the, questions. The, the enigma is like, like through, through the course of like all the histories, it's like, you know, what motivated Larry Strong? It cannot be feet. Did you see the look <laughs> on Allison's face? Allison was, Allison was like, all right, oh here we go God. again. This man has done this shit so many nah, times. Nah, fam, and then like, Allison was you, out you, here talking shit to Rhaenyra when she's yo, doing the same thing. Fam, no. I have I have so many, so many points on this. Because, okay, first of all, how did this arrangement even start? Like, especially, especially since Allison... <laughs> you miss Allison, all the shots you don't take. Allison, That's Allison, 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 bro, Allison is clearly not into it. And yeah. she's... She's still been having dinners with this guy. Like, did he have the dinners right after? Like, <laughs> I, like, bro, like, what? like, I'm not here to like 
stinking shame, you know, everybody can do whatever it is that gets them going. I support you, you know, club, I support you only on this though. I don't support you in anything else you do, but like, I mean, you have maybe some of my support. Actually, I don't really support this, but I think I support people in general, but I, I have, I take a little bit of issue with this just because Alison is not into it. And also like, I guess in general, my, my questions are more logical than moral here. Still, wow. Number one, how does Alison not see that like she's more powerful than this guy? Like, I feel like th- if I had to guess, this started as a thing of like, you know, if you want, I can give you all the information you want. And, <laughs> oh my God, I'm actually just now re- remembering when they were on that ship and he was just like staring at her. Like, I dream <laughs> Oh God, Jesus. Oh, Chineke. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like Alison's doesn't really see that she's more powerful because this probably started as a situation where he's like, I'll give you more information if you sort of show me your legs. <laughs> and it's it's weird because like in in the scene from this episode that we're talking about, the two of them are having a discussion and then he starts to slow down in how he's speaking. And then she takes off her shoes. I'm like, okay, I guess she's just comfortable around this guy. I mean, this is her room after all. And then you know, he continues talking, he gets a little bit more sluggish and she puts her feet on the table. I'm like, okay, I mean, it's your coffee table. That's fine. But then she takes off the stockings. I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs> and then she turns around, but keeps the feet visible. <laughs> and then just in case anybody was still doubting what's going on, this guy puts his hand down his trousers and I'm just there like, Mad, madu. This why you. This why you killed your father and your brother. <laughs> this is why you killed your father and brother. Bruh. Like you couldn't have gotten this anywhere else. Bruh. I'm so confused. Do you know? Do you know? My next question even is: Does Otto know? Like, well, because Otto is he aware know, of what's but like? No, fam, no but is he aware of what's been happening? Because he, he, you know, he says he says to Laris, "You've been spending a lot of time with the Queen of Late, Father in Heaven. What yeah. if he? What if he knows that he knew what like time with the Queen means?" And, no. it, and because you know, because Laris also says there's no reason that time can't benefit you too. So Otto <laughs> knows that they, they're close and they're interacting, but there's no way that Otto knows Jesus that he's Christ. masturbating to her feet. Like there is, there is if I had told you this last episode, like when we were recording last episode, I mean, like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I like, cannot believe But it makes so- sense. It's like I'm, part of me is like there has to be more to the enigma than club for that feat but <gasps> shit man shout out from, to him from the fact that we are here dissecting this it's actually, actually killing me like, I feel I like that's all I have to say on this <laughs> shout out to him I can't I can't touch it anymore I can't come and kill myself I am dead bro because this man is so motivated and here I am asking if Kristen Cole is down bad. What about <laughs> this guy? I that's like I feel if, I feel vindicated again because I was like, "Yo, is he in love with her?" And then we we're like, "Nah, he's not. He's just weird. He's just creepy." I guess it's all of the above because now oh, I don't know what above. to do. Yeah, well, I guess we'll just have to keep watching. So if Otto finds out, okay, let's say Otto doesn't know. If he finds out, I guess this guy's dead now. I don't think so because he's a useful tool. It's not again. It's not about morality. It's about agendas. Agendas. Okay, so morality. they just gel- they just gelled him. No, they will get on with it. Uh, so so what? How does he? If you help, as long as we're all being, at least not married right now. They can even marry them together and just say, say okay, now we have a good ally and we will make it legal. Like it's Rhaenyra is the heir. All this is treason. So it's not about morality. It's uh, that's why all this shit they were saying last episode about oh, Alicent has found religion. Fuck that. It's it's a coup. They think they have enough power to take Rhaenyra. That's why they're doing all this. And oh, if God. if club food helps them, then fuck yeah. But yeah, that's I'm, that's I'm, just that's just wild, man. It's wild. But the last thing we haven't talked about, I think, is the Aegon's procession and Rhaenys' grand entrance. I was screaming at my TV, Dracarys, Dracarys, Dracarys. I was hoping those dragons would hear me 
And like solo, I, she should have burnt them niggas right there and then. Burn them all. Like, like I said, I think it's sort of a, a statement, right? Her not doing that. I think it's a bit hypocritical, like I said, because small folk died in the process. But yeah. on some level, I think we can kind of learn a lesson here that you don't have to be pro-Rhaenyra to be anti-Aegon. Okay, let, let me pose and, you one um, question. Yeah, that, 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 is, that is like the thesis let, here. Let me pose one <laughs> question. That scene. Okay, okay. What do you think was Ned Stark's biggest mistake? Ooh, that's interesting. I think, I think, I think everybody's answer to that depends on like where they stand morally. Some people would say that his biggest mistake was not killing Cersei and her children. Other people would say that his mistake was accepting being handed the king in the first place. He should have just stayed where he was. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think on some level, and I, I feel this is also kind of what you're getting at. His biggest mistake was trusting that people would be honorable and respect, um, re- respect the wishes of, of the king and not, re- not necessarily trying to, to act in a way that would be considered as bad as the people that are on the other side. Yeah. He was like, okay, I'm going to do this better than you, blah, blah, blah. Similar to what Alison is doing. But Rainey's kind of does that in her own way here where she's like, I'm not going to roast you guys alive because I don't want to play the game like you. Which again, and I'm going to keep saying this, you kind of just trampled like a few hundred people, but <laughs> it's, that's fine. That's fine, yeah. I guess. So yeah, I guess, that, I guess you're trying to say that this is kind of the same thing where she could have ended it but didn't. No, well, she could have. I mean, I've said that I love this character, Rainey's, and I know why. I feel like the reason why she didn't do that is because she doesn't. She has her morals and she wants to live up to them, and I appreciate that. But I've always felt that Ned's biggest mistake was not telling Robert Baratheon the truth about Cersei and her kids when he found out. He opted for mercy. He wanted to spare the the, the children and Cersei, so he decided to tell Cersei so that she could, you know, run away and escape. Actually, first. you're right. But no, that decision in the books, at least, is well, actually in no. The you show, are one hundred percent right. Why now I'm thinking through poisoned. it. That's I'm why Robert Baratheon got poisoned. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking through it, and I'm just realizing that <laughs> this thought process that you're describing is one that I've also had because yeah. it's actually like a clear domino effect, which is one yeah. of the things I like the most about Game of Thrones. Actions had consequences. It wasn't like yeah. a setup and payoff type of thing. Like, yeah, they had consequences, and you didn't know when those consequences were going to come. Yeah, exactly. He, I do think you're right that that is the reason they send Lancel to give this guy wine upon wine upon wine upon wine until like he's too he's too big and drunk and delirious to dodge a boar that's running right for him. Though not, I'm not gonna say dodging a boar is easy, but like Robert has faced worse than one, yeah. so him dying that way is very uncharacteristic. Yeah. So in you're saying so how are you kind of relating that to Rainey? It's like are well, you saying that she Rainey's should have chose her morals and her um, she chose her morals and she chose not to be even, I don't want to say to be violent because she just killed, she killed those people trying to escape. She wasn't trying to kill them, but though this would have been murder because in, in a way that it's weird to it say would. that the others weren't because the others were her trying to escape. And I, I can rationalize that away, but this one, they were defenseless. She was staying. I don't know. It, it, I understand yeah. like her character. She doesn't want to, to stoop to their level and she's, it was a, it's a, a thing of her pride and, that pride, that mercy, it, that's what cost Ned Stark. And I'm just hoping that it doesn't cost Rainey's the same way. Um, because, yeah, I yeah. hope so too. Because I think she's what she's essentially saying here is, you guys need to die. That's the fact. I know it, and you know that I know it. But you know who else knows it? Rhaenyra. Yeah. And she definitely will once I tell her what you've done here. So I think she's like, okay, let me just go and tell these people 
and then we're all going to come back and still kill you, but the right way. Because, yeah. you know, Rhaenyra did promise to fly back on Dragonback. I guess yeah. I guess now that's going to happen, but under <laughs> different, um, a completely different scenario. Speaking of her, um, she's very in the background here. We only hear of her. We don't really see her. I think this is the first episode where Rhaenyra does not appear. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode is titled The Green Council. Um, and I feel like the, like the response of Rhaenyra and her side is really going to be fiery, pun intended, because... HBO likes to do this thing now with um, Game of Thrones where they don't reveal episode titles until after they've aired. It started with Game of Thrones season eight. And the first time I saw it, I thought it was a glitch. I think it's actually very extra because they really continue doing it and they're still doing it. But I'm just going to give you the inside scoop now and say that the next episode is titled The Black Queen, which is in opposition to this episode titled um, The Green Council. And I think it's safe to say that no episode titled The Black Queen is just going to have people surrendering. (laughs) Like there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff going on um, I don't know how much peaceful negotiation we can reasonably expect, but we're going to have some issues. Like if just watching that trailer and honestly, don't do it too much because you get some anxiety, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's going to be a lot that's happening because I, I don't know how, how, okay. How do we reasonably think Rhaenyra might react to this upon hearing it? How do we think Damon might react? I guess we'll have to find out next episode. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting though. I am I am I'm I'm ready. I'm just ready. It's I I'm ready. That's all I have to say. I'm ready. It's it's gonna be intense, it's gonna be amazing. And it's gonna be you know, Game of Thrones has had a history of episode nine being a, uh, like something amazing and episode ten is just it's now dealing with the fallout. I personally think that this was one of the weaker episode nines, you know, in the Game of Thrones history. I feel like no, I, I feel like I don't wanna call it weaker necessarily. I feel like I wanna call it action light like there wasn't a huge there wasn't a huge beheading you know there wasn't like a big battle or anything like that but there was still a lot of stuff that kind of set the scene for yeah. madness yeah i think yep i think they kind of split the rules here i think as an episode in itself it was good like the writing was good direction was amazing cinematography was nice um it wasn't as quote-unquote bombastic as other episode nine so as i agree with you as far as episode nines go this is one of the less gripping ones but i do think that um it does a good job for what they've decided that it should do because like now like this we're getting into the real conflict um with the coming of episode 10 you know both the the prologue of the prologue and the prologue are over now like we're into we're in the dance of the dragons yeah it's it's about to get real yeah so yeah i i am looking forward to (laughs) to what's coming and yeah. I don't even know if we, I feel like we should attempt to kill Count, <laughs> but I don't know I'm where not, we're going to end up. I'm not bothering, yeah. Just I don't X, know where we're going to end up. I'm, I'm going to, okay, I'm just going to say like a thousand, maybe. All right, something I'm like with that. that. I'm, with, I'm with a thousand. Who do you uh, think played the game best this episode? Best player of the game. I am going to say uh, Aemond. Aemond? Okay. Why? Aemond, because he's kind of biding his time. He he knows what he wants, but he but he kind of understands what his side needs. So he's kind of putting all of that aside, even though you could see him considering for a moment like what it would be like if he actually just let Aegon go. He he knows like this is what we actually need to do, and this is my role. And in order for this to work, I have to do certain things. So I think he kind of knows his role and he's just sort of trying to be a team player. So in that way, I'll say he played the game best. I don't know if I, was, I would give it to Otto because he's just always been a sneak. And I don't know if I can really award any of his moves. Um, the runner-up for me will probably be Alicent because she's doing her best. But I think that she's kind of operating from a point of slight naivety. 
So yeah, yeah. Okay. What about you? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, because Ooh, yes. she she stole the the king of the chess piece and she traded it. She, for a she stole position. the literal king. Yes, yep, and she stole the little king and traded it up for a better position. I think I think um I fully agree I fully agree with that. But the only thing is I just wonder if she could have demanded more. But I guess she did the best that she could have in that well, moment. She's biding her time. No need to to pull your cards out. You know, just make an. She just made an introduction. You know, like hi, I exist. Just so you know. And I can do, I can be, I can be useful to you if you want. I feel like she can be like Otto's version of Clubfoot if she, you know, depending. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, um, he's sort of trying to, I don't know, take over that whole spy network because he knows it's there, obviously. I think that's one of the reasons he pushes for her to be killed. I mean, I think it's what we, we have to mention that, that, that the white worm gets burned, like the building. Yeah. That place gets burned by one of his guys, his speechless guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, all I'll say for anybody who believes Mercaria is dead, I'm gonna uh, is that you're probably justified in thinking that. But I just going to add that this is Game of Thrones, and you know we haven't seen a body generally. And the show is not afraid to show you when somebody's dead. So <laughs> I feel like yeah. until I see a body, I'm gonna keep Mercaria alive in my mind. F- yeah, for the moment. Yeah, best line. Best line. I have two, both okay. from Alicent. Okay. Number one, you imbecile. <laughs> Number two, an aversion to murder is not weakness. I don't think that's exactly how she said it, but that's basically what she yeah, said. She and said, I thought yeah. that I thought that was good because there was a really long pause from um you know her audience after she was after she, after she she kind of gave that like impassioned speech and ended with that statement. You know, she's really standing firm in the fact that she does not want to kill Rhaenyra's family. I'm interested to see how steadfast she stays in that, but let's see how it goes. Yeah, mine is the same thing. Uh, it's, uh, do you love me? You imbecile. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> the delivery that of, was great. of Alicent in that episode, in that scene was amazing. She was like, like she, she pauses and she's just and like, plotting. She's just imbecile. like, I can't believe this is what I'm stuck with, even though like I believe that my husband wants him on the throne, but. Apparently some people, apparently some people thought that he was, that when he picked up that dagger, he was actually going to like kill himself with it to make I sure that he's so not too. king. I thought so you too. thought so. Yeah, I thought that so didn't too. even occur to me. I thought so too. Like home, the homeboy was just like, "Leave me alone! I want to run. I, I, I don't, I'll leave. I'll... Yeah, it's nah, I don't think I, killing yourself requires not that I would know, obviously, but it requires a lot of I think bravery, a lot of resolve, and it just requires a whole host of things that Aegon does not have. I do not think him capable of doing that. That's yeah, just thing. I, I, guess just, so. I, just, I just don't know. I just I feel like he can't. Like we've seen somebody almost do it, and that was Kristen. But like Kristen and Aegon are built different. Yeah, yeah at least differently from are. each other. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. Uh, anything else uh, you want to bring up in the episode? Um, no, that's pretty much it. I think I did enjoy seeing Melis, and I'm looking forward to seeing you know how things progress from here because you know easy, you know easy. Oh, 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 but yeah, um. This has been what season one, episode nine. God mm-hmm. damn, nine episodes of Targaryens. It has been a ride so far. I'm yep. loving it. I'm loving it. Yep. Thank you so much to everybody who's listened so far. We appreciate you completely. Today's show was produced by Bankale Imokwede, Ibukana Mani, and Chingidu Heji. Extra thanks to Jibs and to again all of you for listening. We've been your hosts, Ibubi and Fami. 
And this has been Popcorn for Dinner. Uh, see you next week. Do not forget to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. So hit us up with your thoughts and your theories on Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, stay safe out there. Watch out for dragons in the skies. <laughs> Join us next week as we attack season one, episode 10. And we'll be joined by none other than Daniel Kuluya. Oh, thank God. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn. What an episode. Um, a friend of ours actually reached out to us because um, I know we, we've been saying that people should kind of hit us up with questions. Somebody asked us if we think that um, Kristen Cole was going to kill Damon in this episode because apparently that's something that he was really worried about and he wasn't sure. That's just like a theory he had. And um, we said what we could say and sort of just left it up to the episode to reveal the course of events to him. Um, but that kind of just led me to ask uh, family this question does Kristen Cole have the capability the skill the gravitas to kill Damon don't, don't. <laughs> you're laughing <laughs> well I mean he has a dragon so exactly I, I, I feel like when people have conversations of like who will win this person or that person they tend to like take one person out of their element mm-hmm. and to you know but no he has a dragon he's not going to go into the field and charge Kristen one on one to fight yeah. the honor no you'll burn him like for but, Kristen uh, to kill Damon, he would have to ambush him like at dinner or something where all he has is his sword. <laughs> but even with that sword. Or maybe sword, when like, Damon is riding a horse in the veil <laughs> and he oh comes and scares Damon's horse. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much the only way. Like I I know obviously Kristen bested Damon in episode one at the tournament, but first of all, they weren't trying to kill each other. And secondly, Damon was not paying attention when Kristen hit that final blow. I really feel like if Damon wanted, he could have, you know, completely won and he could have killed Kristen. Like, I I don't really see Kristen really beating Damon in a one-on-one. At the very least, it would, it would not be easy. So.